The following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 709-1000. Romans chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 down to verse 16 together. Romans 6, verse 1 down to verse 16. All right. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead... By the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we being, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. trust you have your Bibles this morning, and we'll be in Romans chapter 6, but before we get into the scriptures, if you would bow with me, I'd love to pray with you again this morning before our sermon. Father, thank you for the truths that we find in scripture. Thank you that you do not hide spiritual truths, but instead you put them there for us to see, place clear the things that you want us to know. And I pray this morning as we study Romans chapter 6 that the truths of Romans 6 would sink into our hearts. We would believe them 
and as a result of what we believe, our actions would be changed. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to work among us, draw us closer to you, I pray, as a result of the time that we've spent around your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have Romans 6 already, may I ask you just to put a piece of paper there and come over to Colossians chapter 3 with me. We'll be a number of passages this morning, so be ready to move in your Bible. Our text is from Romans chapter 6, specifically verses 11 down to 16. And there's a theme that runs throughout the book of Romans as well as throughout all of Scripture. And that theme is this, man's sin has separated him from God. Your sin has separated you from God, and yet God sent Jesus to the cross so that you could be made right before God again. Now, as a believer, you've put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are right with God. So why then would we ever turn back to the very thing that separated us from God? This is the argument that we see in Romans chapter 5, 6, and 7. There's a truth that we saw last week, and that truth was, you are dead to sin. If you're a believer, you are dead to sin. Now, there's some important words here. Ephesians 2 says that before you were saved, when you were lost, you were dead in sin. Now that you are saved, you're a believer, you are dead to sin. Two very different realities. When you were born in Adam, you are dead in sin. Now where you are born again in Jesus, you are dead to sin. So before, sin controlled you. Sin was reigning over you. You had no choice. You were stuck with it. Now that you are a believer, you're in Christ, you are dead to sin. It has no power over you. And this is a truth that we can hang on to. The wording is so very important. Now that we are in Christ, you are dead to sin. And not only dead to sin, but you are alive to God in Christ. He did not just leave us in the tomb. After three days, Jesus was raised again. And you and I are raised to walk in newness of life, as we saw in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 last week. So you're in Colossians now. Colossians chapter 3. I'd like to read verses 1 to 4. It will say almost the very same words that Paul said in Romans 6 that we saw last week. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You are dead to sin. You say, Pastor, I never really thought about this. Why? Have good news for you. This is not some new doctrine. This is all throughout the Scriptures. He's making the point again and again, and I'm going to do my best today to show it to you. Colossians chapter 3. Let me read verses 1 to 4. If you then be risen with Christ. You see this? I'm dead to sin. I'm in Christ, went to the cross with Jesus, dead to sin and alive in Him. If you be risen with Christ, then what do you do? Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead. And I want you to add this next sentence into your vocabulary, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Oh, I'm with Jesus and I'm in God and I'm alive. I'm dead to sin and I'm alive. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. I'm still living this life and it looks like I'm living it in the flesh, but I live it by the faith of the Son of God. There is a difference in my life. 
So then, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. That is future. At your salvation, your justification, God declared you righteous. That is your new identity. There is coming a day when you will be glorified. That's your glorification, verse 4 talks about. And in the middle, we have this life that we are now living. That's our sanctification. We are becoming more and more conformed to the image of Jesus. We are changing. Putting aside that sin, we are dead to it. Living to God in Christ. It's a whole different way to live. So set your affection on things above. Don't follow your feelings. Your feelings will be like a roller coaster. Some days you feel really excited and I'm going to serve Jesus and everything's going to go great and crash bang the next day something has happened and your feelings are down in the dumps. Don't follow your feelings. Stand upon the facts. What's the facts? You're dead to sin. You're alive to Christ. Your feelings will follow circumstances. Something happens and you feel up. Something happens, you feel down. Don't follow your feelings. Your feelings will take you on a path that will not be stable. Instead, root yourself in the facts. Here's the facts. I am in Christ, so I am a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I am dead to sin and I'm alive to Christ. I have a new identity. I'm no longer living under the wrath of God. I'm now a child of God and a joint heir with Christ. That's my new identity. These are facts. I'm standing on this. My life is hid with Christ in God. Sin no longer rules over me. I can choose life. I can. That's the facts. And I don't have to go with the emotional roller coaster so that one day I feel like things are great and the next thing, next day things are terrible. No, facts. Root yourself in the facts of the Word of God. You can know it, believe it, and your actions will change because you really truly believe what you know that's based in the Scriptures. There's the facts. I am dead to sin. I'm alive to Christ. Now Paul does this many times where he will give us theology and then he'll give us practice. So theology, Colossians 3, 1 to 4. You're dead to sin. You are alive to Christ. Your life is hid with Christ in God. So then practice, verse 5. Colossians 3, verse 5. What do you do with that theology? Verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. I don't know if that word members brought up any memories from last week. Don't yield these members as instruments unto righteousness. Another way I said it last week was like this, don't let your body parts be the tools of unrighteousness. Mortify, this is what he says, Colossians 3, 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. What do they look like? Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, loving those things that you should not love, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake, the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. In the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. There was a time when you were controlled by sin and your life was put over to that sin. And Paul says, because you are dead to sin, that's the fact, because you are dead to sin and you're alive to Christ, now you can mortify, put them to death. 
Here, I'll use Jesus' words. This is Matthew chapter 5. Jesus made this statement, verse 29 and verse 30. I want you to see how close they are together. Verse 29. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. That's radical. Get rid of your eye if it's offending you. Paul's words, Colossians 3, verse 5. Mortify those members. Don't let sin rule over you because it, you are dead to sin. It no longer rules over you. Don't let it. Put them to death. Jesus, pluck out your eye if you have to because it's better that you go into eternity missing one member than you go and spend eternity in hell. Then he says it again in Matthew 5 verse 30. Very same statement, different body part. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. So if you need to, go get a spoon, pluck your eye out. You need to, go get a leatherman and hack your arm off. I don't think that's what Jesus is calling us to do. But here's what He is calling us to do. Be serious about sin. Be serious about it. Mortify. Put it to death. Take it captive. This is a spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters. Don't let yourself get caught up in some kind of a... Feeling that, oh, I can't overcome it. No, He has overcome sin on the cross. And He said, you're in Me. You're dead to sin. It doesn't affect you anymore. So why would you turn yourself over to something that's going to separate you from God where you already have been made righteous in Him? Christ was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Why would I ever want to go back to that dog vomit? Why would I ever want to go back to that sin that separated me from God? Oh no, I'm dead to it. It has no power over me. You can stay there in Colossians 3 for another moment. Verse 8. But now you've also put off all of these. So it's not just those great big sins, but it's also even the little sins. We might say respectable sins. Things like anger and wrath and malice blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Don't even lie one to another, verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and you've put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. See, God has made you into the image of Christ, and he's conforming you day by day. You are dead to sin. You can put away that old man that was born after Adam. You can live after the new man who was born after Christ. And so that brings us to our passage in Romans chapter 6. I'll be in verse 11. God's wrath was abiding on us before we put our trust in Jesus. Our old man is dead. We are now alive in Christ. And I, several things that I want you to grasp from Romans chapter 6 from our passage for today. The first one is this. You can choose to not live in sin. You can choose to not live in sin. That comes out of verses 11 to 13. Let me read those verses. I know we walked through them last week, but I'd like to walk through them again this week. These verses will change your spiritual life. Verse 11. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Here's what he said. 
You can choose not to live in sin. You have the ability. Notice the words that he uses in, at the beginning of verse 11. Likewise, reckon. So, just like, likewise, says, toss your mind back to verses 1 to 10. The fact is, you can know it and believe it, and it'll change the way you live. You can know that you're dead to sin. That's the fact. So, because of that fact, likewise, reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. Consider, reckon, consider, think yourself to be that way. Because of the fact that I'm in Christ, I am no longer controlled by sin. I'm dead, dead to sin. That happens, brothers and sisters, that happens in your mind. Feelings are down here. Or suppose you may use him to talk to him, stop Lolewa. That's feelings. Or bell or heart. Reckon happens in your mind. Clear up your mind and think the right way. So that's why he's saying this. Reckon yourself to be dead and denoted in sin. In other words, trust God for what he said. He said you were dead to sin, so trust him for it. Allow that to be in your mind. It is an action of the will. So hold your place here in Romans chapter 6, and I might encourage, if you've got a piece of paper or something, just drop it in Romans 6, because we are going to keep coming back here. So Romans chapter 6, look over to Romans chapter 12. I've got this verse on the board, but I also want you to see it in your Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. Colossians 3. Seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things that are above. Mortify the deeds of the flesh which are after the world. So verse 12, chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. Your life will be different. So how does that happen? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Set your mind on those things which are above. Change the way you think. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. Notice he didn't say just dead to sin. Dead indeed. Absolutely dead to sin. Think that way. And then he gives us, as he did in Colossians 3, he gives us examples of how that plays out in your life. So look down to verse number 9. Romans 12 and verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Dissimulation is fakery. Let love be without fakeness. I don't even know if fakeness is a word. Let love be without fakeness. In other words, love genuinely. Now, don't flip that around. Don't say, well, the Bible said, if you don't really mean it, then don't love somebody. That's not what he said. He said, love and love for real. Care about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Care about the people in the, in the world. Let love be without dissimulation. You know what's going on here? In your mind. You're saying, I am going to act out what I am. So the identity, this is who God has made me, is going to be played out in reality. So I'm going to take what I know and I'm going to put it into action in my life. So instead, where my old man would say, they did me wrong, therefore they're dead to me. No, 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 no. He says, no, that's not how this works now. You're going to put to death your old man. You're going to live according to the new man. And just like Jesus did, they did him wrong. You know what he did? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. 
It's a different way of living. In my mind, I'm going to be dead to sin. I'm not going to give place to wrath. Instead, I'm going to love genuinely. Not just love the people that I want to love. Jesus' words, for even the heathen do that. Our lives should be marked differently. Verse 9, he continues on, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Hate it. Abhor. That's like hate times infinity. Abhor it. I hate evil. I don't want to be any part of it. I don't want it to be part of me. And cleave to that which is good. Cleave, that's the very same word as I got married to my wife. I left my mom and dad and I cleave to my wife. I'm going to cleave to what's good. I'm going to abhor what is evil. Then he continues on in verse number 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another. Kind. One to another. Affectioned with love. I'm going to care about my brothers and sisters that are around me. And then he continues on. In honor, preferring one another. Our normal reaction as human beings is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But our lives are different when I crucify the flesh. When I mortify the flesh and I start living as though Jesus is the one that's living in me, I'm going to be different. And in honor, I'm going to prefer others. It's happening in the mind. Verse 12. Sorry, verse 11. Not slothful in in business. Not lazy. I'm going to use what God gave me, namely my body, to do good. Not to sit back and take from everybody. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. So that when things go wrong, I'm going to rejoice. We saw that in Romans 5 verse 3. When things go wrong, I'm going to rejoice because I know God's got a plan for this tribulation in my life. My old way... Something goes wrong, i got to figure out how to get around it, and I'm going to plow over whoever got in the way. And my new way, mortify the deeds of the flesh. I'm going to let Christ live through me. It's not about me anyway. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints. Instead of me taking in for my kingdom, I'm looking to distribute and take care of others for His kingdom. Verse 14, bless them that persecute you. If ever there was a new way to think, that's Jesus living through me. Bless them that persecute you. Bless and curse not. And verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. You see, this is a different way of living. Christ living through me. Come over to James chapter 3 and you'll see another one, another example of this. James chapter 3, and he gets really specific with the individual members of our body. You remember, he said in Romans 6, 11, 12, he said, Yield not your members as instruments of unrighteousness. So James chapter 3, he's going to give us an example of one of those members. Here it is, James chapter 3 and verse number 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member. I'm going to do something I very rarely do, so just watch very closely. There you go. You won't see me do that normally, all right? I don't think I have a pretty tongue. I'll keep it hidden. Usually we get on to the children for sticking their tongue out. It's a little member. All right, remember, Romans 6, Yield not your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but instead yield them as instruments of righteousness to God. So, I'm now purchased by Jesus. 
I'm putting away. My old man is dead. This is now Jesus living through me. So this one, watch closely, doesn't happen very often. That one belongs to Jesus. That tongue is a little member. Now watch what he says in verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Me just like I'm mine. Look at me, make him just Look at how Mark blew me. Oh my goodness. We're not even to 22 yet. And already we're hearing that kind of stuff. And oh, how every single one of us in our natural state is guilty of that very thing. My little member boasts of great things. Behold, verse 5, Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. So in other words, think of there will be a great big bushfire going across the mountainside and it most likely started when someone flicked a cigarette butt out on the side of the road. One little fire can make a big fire. So guess what? That little member can cause a lot of big problems. I think every one of us knows that. Verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Notice verse 8. The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Romans 2's words, the lips hiding the poison of asps. Oh, how our tongue can be a member that is used for unrighteousness. And Paul's words in Romans chapter 6, Likewise, reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. Choose with your mind and with your will to control yourself. Look at verse 10, James 3 and verse 10. He's going to show us, you get to choose. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. In his statement, these things ought not so to be, is his way of saying, choose to do what's right. Don't live in the old man. Because the old man is dead to sin. So likewise, reckon yourself to be dead indeed in sin. Come back to Romans chapter 6 with me. Let not sin, verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We've talked about the members. I want to hone in on one little phrase in the middle of verse 13. And I want to look at this and think about it. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Think about that. You're born into Adam. That's this body. And yet, you're born again into Jesus, and he, can take, he takes control of this body. I can choose to not live in sin. I can choose it. And here he says, yield yourself. That's all of you. Yield yourself to God as one who is alive from the dead. Oh, what a magnificent thought. Can I encourage you to think this way for just a moment with me? Could you imagine... You pass away, you go to heaven and be with Jesus. Can you just imagine how absolutely glorious that will be? And there you can be with Jesus, and I'm not even talking about things like streets of gold and 
crystal sea and all that stuff. I'm talking about to enjoy the presence of God. That will be a glorious day. And can you just imagine the multitude of millions of angels as they sing praises and you get to hear that Paul's words where I heard words that were not even able to be uttered. Oh, what a magnificent scene that would be. Now, it won't happen like this, but just imagine if it did, because I think this helps to illustrate this statement. Could you imagine if you were there in heaven for, say, 50 years? Just 50 years of absolute glory, and you know, oh, He is magnificent. And then for some reason, let's just say that God says, okay, I want you to go back to earth and live with the human beings for 50 years. That's not going to happen. But for the sake of this illustration, just follow me, follow along with me. Could you imagine if God sent you back to live 50 years and you came back to live 50 years on this earth and you know what you've been to and you know what's important in this world, you know how to give glory to God, you're here on earth, you know what you're, what you're doing? You're living as though you are alive from the dead. Do you see the phrase? It's as if you've enjoyed the glory of God and now you come back to live out the rest of your days. There are a lot of things that you won't even care about. Sin comes and raises its ugly and sometimes pleasurable head. You will look at it with all the truth that is there and you will say, no, you have no power over me because I am completely ruled by the One who is glorious. My affection is set on Him. My heart is to those things that are above. Forget you, sin, because I know I've been risen. So He goes, here, live that way. You, you haven't experienced the 50 years yet, but have a glimpse to what eternity with Jesus will be like. So in this life, what's left of perhaps your 50 or 20 or 70 or however many years you have left, oh, live the rest of these days setting your affection on those things which are above. Yield yourself to Him as one who is alive from the dead. And then yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Again, it is your choice. You get to choose not to live in sin. The second thing I want you to see is in verse number 14. Here's the second thing. God has promised freedom from sin's grasp. God has promised freedom from sin's grasp. Let me show it to you in verse 14. Here's verse 14. Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. That is a promise. I want you to hear it. Sin shall not have dominion over you. That's a promise. Now let me show you what is not a promise. And this is not what it says. It does not say, sin should not have dominion over you. That's not what it says. It says, sin shall not have dominion over you. Those are very close, but very different. Sin shall not have dominion over you. In other words, here is our commanding officer telling us we've won the war. I've never gone to battle. Nothing but utmost respect for Brother Phil. I've never gone to battle. But I could just imagine if we, were, if we were soldiers and we're going into battle, remember this spiritual walk is a warfare. And I can just imagine if we as soldiers were headed into the battle and our commanding officer tells us, you will win this 
fight. Now in that moment, I would think, but wait a second, how do you know? How do you know that they won't beat us? Well, two things. One, he must know the end from the beginning. Oh, by the way, our Heavenly Father knows the end from the beginning, right? But he also must know that we have a secret weapon. And here's our secret weapon. I've already died to sin. I'm on the cross with Jesus. He died. I'm dead indeed unto sin. So I will not be ruled by sin. So in other words, when I come into the battle, if I lose, it's because I chose to lose. So when the commanding officer says, you shall not be ruled by sin, and I come into the battle, the spiritual warfare, and I choose to allow Him to beat me, it's because I chose. And He has given us the freedom to not be ruled by sin. Oh, this is a glorious thing. He has promised us. You can believe it. I don't know if you remember what it meant. We were in Galatians chapter 5 and we said, we said what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I don't know if you remember that. To walk in the Spirit meant to trust the promises of God. Do you remember Galatians 5 verse 16? Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I don't know if you're able to put these pieces together here. But here you go. You are dead to sin. So I believe the promises of God. You know what I'm doing? I'm walking in the Spirit. And you know what's going to happen? Because I'm walking in the Spirit and I'm trusting the promise of God that I am dead to sin. Guess what's going to happen? I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Sin will not have dominion over me. You get to choose. friend. Oh, this is a glorious thing. You get to choose. But then He gives us a reason why this promise works. See it at the end of verse 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you for, you could say, because, verse 14, you are not under the law, but under grace. You remember what happened when we had the law? Law brought sin out, made it very clear. But then when we sinned, God covered us up with His grace. And praise God for that. We no longer are under the power of sin because God has given us grace. We're no longer where the law says you did wrong, you did wrong, you did wrong. Instead, we're under grace where He says you're forgiven and you're loved and you're in relationship with Me. Oh, this is a glorious thing. Let me illustrate for just a moment. I look around in here, I know that we have two classrooms and neither of these classrooms is a great example. I do know that upstairs they're wonderful examples and I think that the examples here are hidden in the folded doors. In school, every classroom has rules written on the wall. If you need to talk, raise your hand. It's on the the board. I think we've got several teachers in here. Am I I right? Just about every one of the classrooms. Am I right? Man, here's the law. And they put it on the wall. Here's the law. If you need to go to the bathroom, raise your hand. If you you want to ask a question, raise your hand. You don't touch things that belong to somebody else. All these rules are on the wall. You realize there's a relationship there, and it's there's the teacher who's in charge of the classroom, here's the student, and the student needs to know how to act in the classroom. Right? Now, Becky and I got married 15th of May, 1999. We entered into a new relationship that's called marriage. 
book of Proverbs says, He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and I found a great thing. So we entered into that relationship, but i got to tell you, our relationship is very different than the relationship between a teacher and students. Our relationship is husband and wife. So you know what I don't do? I don't put on the wall in the house a list of rules. If you want to talk to me, raise your hand. <laughs> Cook dinner and have it ready by 6 p.m. If you want to have any of your friends over, you better ask me first. There's no list of rules in the house. You know why? Because that relationship is not based on one's here and the other one's here. No, the, this relationship is love, grace. Something doesn't fit right. We have a loving conversation and we build up our relationship. It's not, oh, you did wrong, so let me force you and push you down. No, that's for a classroom. This is not for a marriage. Our relationship is totally different. And when I look at the relationship between us and my Savior, oh, under the law, you know what He did? You did wrong! You did wrong! You did wrong! And you know what the law said? You'll never live up! You remember the law, all it ever does is tell you where you're wrong. It never makes things right. And Jesus, with the grace, you know what He did? Forgiven, 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 forgiven. Come into my family. Be a joint heir. Be an adopted son. Oh, come on into the family. This totally different relationship. For you're not under law, but you're under grace. So can I ask the same question as I started with? Why in the world would you ever want to go back to something that separated your relationship from Him? Oh, sin shall not have dominion over you. Third thing I want you to see is in verses 15 and 16. I'll say it and then I'll read verses 15 and 16. Here's, here's number three. Choose. The first two were facts. This one is an action. Choose to serve the one who gives freedom. Choose to serve the one who gives freedom. You get to choose. So choose the one that gives freedom. Let me show it to you in Verses 15 and 16. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Here's what he said. Whoever you choose to obey, that's who you're going to be servant to. You choose to be a servant to sin, you'll be sin's slave. You choose to be God's servant, you'll be God's servant. You get to choose it. So I would say, a hope is that you would, point three, choose to serve the one who gives you life. Now this question in verse 15 is the exact same question that was in verse 1. I'll read verse 1, you look at verse 15... When I'm reading verse 1, you look and see how many of the words overlap between verse 1 and verse 15. Here's verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Do you see it? The exact same question in verse 1 is the exact same question in verse 15. Should we just go ahead and sin? And the answer is, God forbid. You cannot find a stronger way to say no. God forbid. Let it never be so. It should never occur in your life. Don't even think that way. But then the reason in verse 1 and 2 
is different than the reason in verses 15 and 16. The reason in verse 2, I'll read it. Maybe you'll remember it, the truth from last week. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So here's the reason for verse 1. Should we sin that grace may abound? Absolutely not, because I'm dead to sin. Now verse 16 is going to give us a different reason. Here's the different reason. Should I sin? Verse 16, the different reason. I'll say it a little bit differently than the way he writes it. Here it is. You can choose your actions, but you cannot choose your consequences. You can choose your actions, but you cannot choose the consequences. The consequences are already laid out. Look at it in verse 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin, what's the consequence? Death. Or of obedience, what's the consequence? Righteousness. So you get to choose. Which way are you going to go? You're going to do wrong? The payment's there. The wages of sin is death. Or you can do right and live in sweet fellowship with our Heavenly Father. You can choose your actions, but you cannot choose your consequences. Know you not? Those whom you, who you serve, who you choose to serve, that's where you're at. I might say, you go down that path, you're going to lock yourself in. You don't get to start down the path of sin and go, well, I don't like the wages that are coming out of this, so I'll reach over to the other side and grab some of those and bring them in. No, 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 no. You go down this path, death. Go down that that path, life. You get to choose. There will be consequences. You might remember Galatians chapter chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, death. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You do not have to choose sin. You've been set free. And there are two masters here that you can choose from. Do you see the two masters? Sin or a Savior? You get to choose. Which one are you going to follow after? I would say that sin is a very hard taskmaster. Sin is a terrible taskmaster. He is a boss that would creep up behind his employees and stab them in the back. What kind of a crazy person would you ever want to trust as your boss like that? Sin is a hard taskmaster and his wages are death. He has no problem destroying you, spitting you out and moving on to the next one. Never thinks twice about that. I had a dog that was like that once. It was a timber shepherd like a German shepherd on steroids. He was huge. And that timber part in his name came from Timber Wolf of North Carolina. That dog was, the wolf part came out all the time. If he saw another animal, all he wanted to do was kill it. We had sheep. He went from one to the next. All he did was chase and bite and chase and bite and chase and bite. He got out once around the ducks and he killed four ducks within 30 seconds. One, bam, killed it, ran to the next one, killed it, ran to the next one. He didn't care about eating them. All he cared about was destroying. That dog lived his days in a box. Couldn't trust him anywhere. Sins the same way. He'll 
kill you, destroy you, make shame of your life? Why would you ever want to go down that road? Know you not, verse 16, that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants you are. Or, you can go to the other side, our Savior is a gracious Master. He's so very different. And all, just think of it this way, you serve sin and you get wages. You serve Jesus, He doesn't give wages. He gives gifts. Because He's no man's debtor. He will never give wages. He gives gifts. And His gifts look like eternal life. That's glorious. You can never earn that, by the way. That's a gift that just is overflowing. Here's some verses from Romans chapter 8. We don't have to turn there right now, but Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Do you hear who, what you're doing? You're yielding yourself. I'm letting you lead me, Jesus. So as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage unto fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we can cry, Abba, Father, I can look up to Him, Daddy, I need your help. He's there to help you. And then in verse 17, he continues this thought, and if we are children, then we are heirs. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. And if it so be that we suffer with Him, then we will also be glorified together with Him. That's heaps better than being a servant to sin. So you get to choose. You can choose not to sin. God has given you the freedom from sin's grasp, so I challenge you this morning, choose to follow the One who will give you life. I'll wrap this up with a single thought. I studied through the Word on the Word choose. Shows up 170 times throughout the Scriptures. In the book of Deuteronomy, there's an interesting use of the word choose. The Hebrew word there is bahar. It's used 31 times in the book of Deuteronomy. Now before I tell you how it's used, I want to remind you real quickly what the book of Deuteronomy is. So Moses wrote it. The book of Deuteronomy is the last in the five books that he wrote. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Genesis, we have the beginning, the formation of the nation of Israel, Joseph. Exodus, they've been slaves for 400 years, and Moses leads them out to Mount Sinai, and they receive the law. You remember that? Leviticus, God gives them all the ways that He wants to deal with them, especially in relation to the Levitical priests and all of the offerings. Numbers tells the stories of their journeyings as they spent 40 years in the desert, around and around. Deuteronomy is a very interesting book in that it is Moses giving the law the second time. It's right before he dies. So the book of Deuteronomy is Moses telling the people, remember this happened, remember this happened, remember this happened, remember this happened. And as he comes to the final words of the book of Deuteronomy, he even tells them, I'm 120 years old, I can no longer move around like I used to, I can't go out and come in, it doesn't happen anymore, I'm an old man and I'm about to die. And by the way, it's very interesting that he was not able to go into the promised land based on the fact that he had done some wrong decisions in his life. You see, there's always complications and punishment for sin. And here he comes to the end of his life, 
And He gives the law to the nation of Israel one more time. And in the book of Deuteronomy, 31 times He uses the word choose. 30 times He uses it one way. And only one time He uses it the other way. Let me tell you what it was. 30 times through the book of Deuteronomy, here's what He said. God chose you. God chose you. You remember Romans 5's theme? God is for you. 30 times He tells the people, God chose you. And He comes to the end of His speech to them. Comes to the closing words in the book of Deuteronomy. And here's what He says. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. And here's what He says. This is the one time He doesn't say God chose you. Here it is. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. I call heaven and earth. This is Him saying, I want heaven and earth to pay attention to what I say. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I've set before you life and death. Does this not ring of Romans chapter 6? You can choose where to go and what to do. And he says, I put before you, heaven and earth can record this, choose whether to go with life or death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, nation of Israel, brothers and sisters, choose life. That both thou and thy seed may live. So take this away, brothers and sisters. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. And He made it possible for you to choose life. That is your identity. That's who you are. Now, put it in your mind. And live that way. Choose life. Father, I pray that we would, as a result of our time together in Romans chapter 6, we would see that You are magnificent. You've done everything it takes to free us from the power of sin and the effects of sin. God, You've made it possible for us to choose life. So this morning I pray for my friends who may still be struggling. Oh Lord, I know many are struggling. Besetting sin. They think they don't have the ability to overcome it. They think that sin rules over them. But God, I pray that today they would grasp this promise. Sin shall not have dominion over you. God, I pray that this morning they would choose life. Thank You for the truths that come from Your Word. And I pray that we would root ourselves in the truth. May Your name be glorified in our lives throughout this week. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you, church. Love you. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Matt Allen of Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 709-1000. Again, it's 709-1000.